Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Welcome into Big Ten Plus Four, Sam. We got we got to reel you back in there. Man. I know the the music does get to you though. I completely yeah. get it. Wake you up. <laughs> That's Sam Sprugger. I'm Dalton Shetler. Uh, this is Big Ten Plus Four. If you're new to the program, we're college sports with Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood, and we're kind of drinking tears here this this week because the Big Ten didn't do so well in the in the Big Dance. And, uh, of course, Sam Sprunger, if you are new to the program, is a shame on you. Purdue – yes, shame on you uh, – but big <laughs> Purdue fan and, of course, a Purdue Boilermakers. Look like there was a door open for, for Purdue to maybe make something special happen, and instead it's a, it's a bow out in the Sweet 16 to St. Peter's. Uh, we haven't been able to talk with Sam on air since, so <laughs> does this next hour just need to be a therapy session? Well, are you, you grieving – you might not hear much from me. <laughs> in in the five <laughs> stages of grieving, where are you right now? Um, a, a, a disappointment. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, uh, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That you know, I said that uh, you know, I the biggest disappointment for this season would be Purdue not winning a Big Ten championship, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 bounces went where they went and they didn't get that and you're right that the the doors opened up with St. Peter's beating Kentucky I had them losing or beating Kentucky anyways but that's not the point it, it kind of made it a lot more like oh hey this could actually happen and then Friday night happened and you know, you've got you've got the the, the referees are never going to be the reason why a team loses ever, ever. It doesn't matter if it's a blatant blown call that leads to the points that beat you. There's something that could have happened prior to the in the game that yep. that would have made that null and void. So, yeah, there were a couple of calls that should have went for Purdue. There was one that Jaden Ivey was dribbling around a uh, a guy and he got his arm pulled back by the guy that he was passing and then he dribbled it out of bounds and they called it out of bounds on Purdue going the other way. That was at a crucial point. But you know what? They were up at eight points at one point. They and and North Carolina showed that it was very possible to put your foot on the throat and keep it there and keep crushing it. Mm-hmm. Purdue didn't. So uh, while I am an absolute Purdue homer, I also am at least logical enough to understand that while those calls could have went Purdue's way and made a difference, it shouldn't have made a difference. And and I think that's the right way to look at this and, and the game. I just, I, I've been, and I'm not by any means a Purdue fan or have interest in Purdue, but mm-hmm. I've been in disbelief, I suppose, of the ending of the season just because before the year, if I come to you and I tell you, hey, Jaden Ivey, you got a top five player in the NBA draft. Uh, Zach Eady is going to be so much improved that he's going to be a second team all Big Ten player. Travion Williams is going to be the same Travion Williams you've had for years. 
Sasha Stefanovic will shoot better than 40% this season from three, and you're not going to raise a single banner. You're not going to win the Big Ten regular season. And you're not making it to the, even the Elite Eight. Yeah, you're, you're not winning the regular season. You're not going to win the tourney, mm-hmm. and, and you're only going to the Sweet 16. Like, that would be news that would be rejected immediately before the season because of how much talent was on this roster. And you're right. And I suppose this is where it gets weird for me to try and evaluate and come down with any kind of judgment on the Purdue season because four of those games, uh, four of those losses are by a game winner. So it's just a, a ball bouncing a different direction changes everything for the season. So how do you really come down and drop a hammer on a team when that's the case? But this is a disappointing season for Purdue. Like both of those things can be true. You can be nuanced in the conversation and understand like, yeah, it it just didn't go Purdue's way. And also Purdue just really didn't seize the opportunity it had in front of itself. Well, and and it's, it's one of those that you can be disappointed in the season, but not say it's a disappointing team. Correct. Because, because like you said, those, those bounces go differently. That's a different outcome in the regular season. Yep. That probably gives them a different route to the championship. Maybe they play Iowa or Iowa plays somebody that Purdue played and they shock them. If Wisconsin that, doesn't bank two shots in, in the final 30 seconds, yeah. I mean, when talking about just bounce it like that, that gives Purdue a banner. Like if that doesn't yeah. happen, like that's how crazy this is. Right. And, and I tell you what, that, that on Friday night, even there was four seconds left. First off, I don't understand how Purdue can basically mug the guy in the corner down in the corner with eight seconds left. They don't call a foul. And then the foul they call is less contact that was down than was down the court. But, but still the point remaining is there was four seconds left and, and I don't know why. St. Peter's gave Jaden Ivy the free route to the to to half court. And when he let that go, I'm like, there's still a chance. And it hit the rim. And I'm like, oh, it's coming back. No, okay. So like it, until the very last second, I, I was thinking this could still work. This could still happen. We could get to mm-hmm. overtime. And again. Purdue didn't get blown out other than the anomaly of Michigan. I, I mean, that, that was, that was the perfect storm of what six game or four games in six days or seven days, uh, getting stuck in Indianapolis because of a storm, then having to travel to Ann Arbor and, and, and Michigan played really well that game. So like, mm-hmm. it was a perfect storm that Purdue lost by 25. Yep. Um, but they just didn't, they were never out of a game period never out of a game and and even their last game this season so that to me says this was not a disappointing team just the outcome from the season was the disappointment and and i think like, again this is it's not mainstream sports talk it's not edgy it's it's nuanced that's a nuanced yeah. conversation and a nuanced way to look at this yeah. and i think it's maybe the more appropriate way um but so in our, our five stages of grief you start with denial you get that new, was uh, that was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> so it was a three day window. A okay. Process. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to anger. Did you, did you have your anger already? I, th- I think actually that was kind of meshed with the disbelief. Like <laughs> I, I, maybe end of Sunday, I was still really. Uh, I, I started getting man, man, and then it was yeah. Stage three is negotiating. I don't know how you negotiate this, but. If they, if I I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe 
I don't know. Maybe that's a. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Kind of deciding if it's not a disappointing season or yeah, not maybe a I'm going game. out of order, but yeah, I'm yeah. Kind of, unless I'm still no, you're in order. Steps. This is this is step three, right? But what's step four? Uh, depression. So that's coming around the corner for you, oh, and then uh, finally you'll have acceptance. So we'll we'll get there. It's, it's a yeah, process. Well, I'm still. I I think I've accepted it though a little bit, not <laughs> understanding that you know. Uh, well, I, actually, no, I haven't because you know what? UNC throttled St. Peter's, mm-hmm. absolutely throttled them. I I looked at the the March Madness uh, app on Sunday, and I look at my wife and said, "I cannot believe this." She's like, "What? St. Peter's beaten North Carolina?" I said, "No, North Carolina is up by fourteen. Yep, you know, like six seconds into the into the second half." I said. What the heck? You know, so I, I guess maybe I'm still in a depression, maybe. Or okay. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> and by the way, we will preview the final four in the next segment. But mm-hmm. uh, for the meantime, we'll talk Big Ten because Purdue was one of just two Big Ten teams. There were nine that made the big dance. Only two made it to at least the second weekend, one being Purdue, the other being Michigan. Michigan gets bounced by Villanova. That one seemed to be logical. You could see the writing on the wall there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and sorry, just to give a little bit more context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan, an 11 seed. uh, The fact that they got to the second weekend was kind of the crowning achievement for that team, the way they had played all year. I mean, a a sweet 16 was not indicative of that team's performance throughout the season, but they got there. That seemed to be the the accomplishment. But Villanova was the better team. My 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 thought is their crowning achievement was making it into the tournament with a bye like they did because yeah fair somebody i saw a comment and 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 i've made this well known since the brackets have come out <laughs> um i saw somebody say well they they got they got seated into a bye because of what they were what their team should have been and what they were kind of ranked at the beginning and i'm sitting there saying who had that i i don't remember who it was and and but it, it, it angered me because i said to myself because obviously they weren't going to hear me um, but your whole argument fails because it's not the team that was supposed to be at the start of the season. It's what it's at the end, Yep. you know, middle on and from the middle to about the last six games of the season, Michigan was a pretty big dumpster fire. And then their uh-huh. coach got in a fist fight for crying out loud. That to me doesn't say. A team that should be in. So, but my whole point on this is, <laughs> um, I, I I can't say that I was sad to see Villanova win, and and I'm, I, I and I hate making people think that I'm so anti-Michigan. It's just this situation put a really bad taste in my mouth. Of what are we doing here? We're teaching kids that you know you can do basically what you want, and nothing's going to happen, and then. You'd underperform, and hey, you still get in there. Great. They won a couple of games. They should have won a couple of games. They should have been a good team all year. They should have been a four seed, you know? So let's play the shoulda game, you know? And so uh, Michigan has got some some work to do to gain their reputation back as a reputable, uh, you know, program for me. I, they, they've got a lot of mending to do and, and who they don't care that Sam Sprunger doesn't like them. <laughs> but the point remains is I'm not the only one that I've seen had have this 
well this thought sam anytime you want to come visit me in east lansing you're more than welcome the door is <laughs> open. probably probably um, a bunch of people there that agree with me huh <laughs> um but going back to that other statement too whatever whoever tweeted that out that it was based on preseason expectations and reputation they're fundamentally wrong i mean that's just not the reality of how this thing works so i want to they make sure that we even said that they were starting to look like them you know they were a preseason number four and they struggled, and then they were starting to come back to that. But the, the fact remains is they hadn't gotten back to that. Agreed. And They and, would have had a disappointing season if they would have gotten beaten the Sweet 16 as a four seed, or a disappointing it, run, I guess, in the tournament. If Michigan's strength of schedule didn't rank out as high as it did, we're, we're not having this. Michigan's in the NIT mm -hmm. without question. And, yeah. and a lot of that has to do with the Big Ten Conference playing 20-game conference schedules it's the only that's conference that does difference. that right um there is, is there another any? acc does that okay acc okay. does that um i yeah. believe those might be the only two okay because um, for years it was 18 and they expanded it out to 20 just so you got a relatively you played everyone at least once right yep and yep. most you played twice um but that 20 game conference schedule has been able to move the needle on metrics enough where in a year like this one where you had two Big Ten teams playing in Dayton in the first four, if it's not for a 20-game conference schedule that helps strengthen the resumes of these teams, the Big Ten Big Ten already looks disappointing by not getting many teams and nobody move on to the Elite Eight in, in one of the best conferences and the conference with the most bids. But the Big Ten just wouldn't get these bids if it wasn't for right. the way that they've been able to bulk up resumes with that conference game schedule in particular. So that's a big part of this when we kind of have these conversations. The Big Ten has really been fortunate that they've had that, and that's that's kind of – it's it's moved the needle. It's added a lot of weight to their resumes for all the different teams. But real quick, Sam, before we close out the first quarter, since we're talking Big Ten in the Big Dance, before we get to the Final Four in the next quarter, um, how, do we, how do we go from here? Because – I have carried the tune for a while that you can't evaluate everything on on simply postseason play. You can't evaluate everything on the NCAA tournament, and I believe that. Mm -hmm. But I also don't have an answer to how you can. It, it. I feel like the Big Ten, like the, the NCAA tournament is just a big shotgun, right? And the Big Ten uses birdshot. They shoot out a ton of different bullets everywhere. You get nine bids, and nothing's hitting. Like, I, I can't even start to fathom a response or an answer as to why the Big Ten struggles so much in the big dance in the last few years. And I don't think it means it's a bad conference, but I also don't really know what it means going forward and, and how the Big Ten changes it. Well, I'm certainly not going to go the Bruce Pearl route saying, well, we just beat up each other during the conference season so bad right. that when we get to the tournament, it just, it, it's a disappointment. No, you're right. It's, it's a, big shotgun the tournament and when you get there you are not prisoner but your 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 path is decided for you on what teams get put in what what regions there and, and you have it every selection sunday they will go through the bracket and say which region is the worst re you know the toughest region and every year there's going to be one that is absolutely brutal compared to another one that maybe isn't as difficult, okay? 
and you know whatever seeding you know formula that these people want to say they go by whatever but i don't know because the big 10 always i mean for years i mean it, it's rare to not have the big 10 with the most bids in mm-hmm. in the tournament it's rare i mean what was it you know a few years back they got got 10 in didn't they mm-hmm. so i mean that's all but four of your teams were worthy enough according to the metrics or the the formulas that they should be so i don't know because it's not like you can play a harder preseason schedule because you already have mission well some teams can don't get me wrong (laughs) some teams can uh but you know like this year purdue played north carolina and villanova they beat them both well, and, and it, that's the thing, too, because and those are part of both the Big Ten and ACC Challenge and the Gavit Games, which is Big Ten versus Big East. And right. you're, you're scheduling some of the best already built into your schedule. Let me, let me back this up a moment because we talk about the 20-game conference schedule. That gives you, I believe, 11 games for the rest of your regular season before you get into postseason play. Now, that's schedulable, right? Because yes. if you get into preseason tournaments, that may balloon into to a few more games. Because and like- and – like you already bracketed it like coming that. in. Yeah, and, and but you bracket it like that. Well, mm-hmm. and remember too, because you get those two Big Ten games in December now. You play mm-hmm. two of those. So when oh, they were yeah, 14 that's right. and 0, so 12, I guess maybe. Yeah. Okay. So okay. um, but yeah, you're you're playing about eleven or twelve non-conference games, and two of them for most teams are already factored in for the Big Ten with the Big Ten ACC and the Gavit games, the Big Ten versus Big East. And then you get a, a Thanksgiving tourney, which can be Maui, Bahamas, right. Vegas, whatever. Um, that's usually three games, usually. At least. Like, you get even if you lose the first game, you play Constellations, correct? I mean, you, so No matter what, yeah, you're getting games. No matter what. at least three games, okay. And then, like, say for Michigan State's case, you're playing in the Champions Classic. Like, half of your non-conference schedule is already figured out by getting into the season. And then like for Purdue and Indiana, they had their uh, crossroads classic for, for years. It's finally coming to an end, but like that was another game already figured out, which was a yeah built-in game there. They were playing Butler or Notre Dame. So there's been very little flexibility. And a lot of those games are tough games. Like mm-hmm. the non-conference has just naturally been a, a strong point for the schedule. Uh, but so I wanted to add that in, but I'll sw- segue this over too, because my working theory at the moment is that and I, I believe Mike DeCourcy originated this. Well, I don't know if he originated it, but when we talked with them you last heard year it a little from bit, him. <laughs> yeah, he, he had brought up the uh, the style of play is is maybe the big thing because everybody in the Big Ten kind of plays the same way. And you had proposed the question earlier this year, Sam, where you said, "Why doesn't Matt Painter and Purdue think about going to zone?" And he addresses, "Well, we've looked into it. It doesn't work in the Big Ten conference." John Beeline comes from West Virginia. He plays 1-3-1, gets to Michigan and says, we can't do it here. We can't do it in the Big Ten. So the Big Ten's got kind of this structure that you kind of need to abide by if you want to have success in conference play. And then everybody's doing the exact same thing. You get to the postseason, and St. Peter's comes out with that defense, the the full court look that they did uh, to Purdue. And, And the Boilermakers didn't really know how to react. And so I think that's a big part of what we've seen. Uh, in in the last couple of years and the disappointments that we've seen with the Big Ten. Just to preface what you just said, I asked about Matt Painter using a zone occasionally, not being his defensive philosophy. 
didn't mean to insinuate that. So okay. good correction. I just, I, I, I'm not mad. I just wanted to make sure anybody that just, <laughs> just jumped into this. Yeah, you're, you're disappointed, me, Dalton. But uh, no, I. It, it, you're right because they play. But here's, yeah, I'm jumping all over the place. But but like in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the Big Ten wins that an awful lot. Yep. Like. It might be close, but they're winning more games than they don't. So, I mean, it, it just doesn't, I don't, but you're right with the, with the, the, the schemes and things that they don't see during the regular season. And it's a majority of their seat regular season, the, the conference season, they don't see the, the variety of scheming offensively, defensively and stuff that you see when you get into the tournament. And if you get that wild one that is just clicking you get beat. Think about what you said, though, too, that they're winning the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That shows depth, not top talent. It shows depth right. when you win yep. one of those. And yeah. the ACC only got, what, four teams into the big dance? Four, maybe yeah. five? And three of them made it to the Elite Eight. <laughs> uh, two are in the Final Four. And two are in the Final Four. I mean, that's it's it's just kind of how they're built. They they have top talent, but let's not act like North Carolina has been a top talent all season. There's a reason they were no. an eight seed. But but regardless, it, they're, they're upswinging at the correct time, though. And and that conference has been able to thrive in this tournament. Uh, we'll we'll find out what 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 happens with the Big Ten moving forward. But we're we're moving a little far here in the first quarter. Let's move to the second where we'll talk the Final Four. Fair enough. Second quarter and another sip of coffee. Get us going here. Gotcha. Gotcha. You thought you had longer, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get as much coffee. I mean, you see these bags under my eyes, man? It's not yeah. going well. Hey, yeah. by the way, for our for our loyal listeners, I, I know we've been kind of all over the place the last few weeks. Um, we're we're going to start trying to be a little bit more consistent with the scheduling. Uh, give Sam Sprunger a lot of credit for uh, for kind of keeping us afloat because my life is absolutely insanity at this time of the year. So <laughs> Sam is the reason we were able to do any of this recently. He put a ton of work in. So credit, well, Sam. I, pre- I appreciate that, sir. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, but just so the listeners know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, right. l- let's move now to the final four. Uh, you have Duke, North Carolina. That seems already thrown it up down below. Kansas and Villanova in the other semifinal. Um, this is fascinating because you ended up in a year where everybody was saying there's so much parity. Who knows who's going to get to the final four? Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. Okay, awesome. You have four blue bloods in playing here in the say, final can four. Can it get any blue bloodier <laughs> than this? And and I heard somebody say, well, Villanova's not a blue blood. Are you kidding me? At this point, I, I, At this I point, think they are. I think I'm ready to stamp that. Are are you with me on that? Yeah, too? absolutely. Yeah. If they it, let's think about this. If they win the national title this year, that will be three in six seasons. I want to say there's only one other team that's done that, and I believe I don't remember what what it was. Well, it depends the time frame because UCLA and Wood mm-hmm. most certainly right. That, I'm but. talking about in the more modern era. There was one that that. I, and I'm like, of course, then they're blue blood. And, and three and six seasons is just amazing to me. So I'm trying to run through it in my head. And I really don't want to make this uninteresting for the listeners. But uh, <laughs> well, we can watch the smoke. 21 Baylor, 19 or 20. No, no tourney. 2019 Virginia, 2018 Villanova, 17 North Carolina, 16 Nova. 15 it might even Duke. be Duke. 
14 UConn, 13 Louisville, 12 Kentucky, 11 UConn, I'm talking 10 Duke, 09. While you're you're thinking, okay, okay, I'm thinking 90s because Duke won back to back, and then I think maybe they won a couple years later, maybe or within that four year period. So it might have been Duke in the 90s, like it that that is you're in for the long haul i don't care what you say you're that that's one hell of a of a program why don't why don't we talk about villanova and jay wright more i it's our show show well i, <laughs> oh, I, I know you're talking overall yeah collectively like as a sports and society and mm-hmm. basketball community jay wright and and we talk about maybe three titles in six years this would be the fifth tournament there was one tournament that didn't get played in that time span yeah, in 20. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't understand when we're talking about Villanova, a school and a program that wasn't traditionally funded as well as many of the other powers. And Jay Wright has taken it, excuse me, and lifted it off because, I mean, really the, the, the shining moment that Villanova had was 1985 and it felt kind of like a blip. Like mm-hmm. that was the moment on the national stage where they it upset felt like Georgetown. NC, NC state that yeah, kind of moment yeah, yeah. to where yeah. like they, they were really good for a year. And then after that, they just kind of went into the void. And, and so then here comes Jay Wright and he's put together a culture now that, has got this team yeah. in three Final Fours in the last five tourneys, and and they've won two of those national championships. Might have the greatest shot in national championship history. Was that or Brunson? Just, uh, Chris Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, but I think Brunson I, I, was I, on that team. Yeah, I watched that, and I, and it amazed me that when he hit that shot, the the commentators didn't explode as much. It was not Gus Johnson because <laughs> Gus Johnson would have lost his ever loving mind had that had he been announcing that but I, I thought that guy just won the national championship on not a half court shot but a really long three point shot you did get like, a Bill Raftery onions in there though yeah so yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and but it's yeah I, the, that is probably the most memorable finals moment I've seen. And I saw Keith Smart hit his shot against Syracuse. I, I don't uh, granted, have I, granted I was only five, but I do remember watching it yeah. and thinking, wow, he just did. And then of course, orange is my favorite color. And that is when I started disliking IU, believe it or not. That is the moment I stopped liking IU. And I'm sitting there yelling at the television with my dad sitting there going, you know, they can't hear you call time out. Cause he smart hit, a, hit that shot with four seconds left. Yes. And then Syracuse didn't call time out until one second left. And I'm sitting here screaming and he's, I was five. Jim Behan was a little bit older than that. <laughs> it's, it's funny though, how, how those memories kind of stamp like that. And, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. little known fact too, Keith smarts shot. Uh, that was the first tournament that had one shining moment to play after it too. And so it's, it I believe in. it was the first or second one that had a three point line. That's. Ooh. 87. I think the three point line might've came in a little bit before that. I don't know. 
You might be right, but I, I was thinking it was like 85 or 86 that they in, incorporated the three-point line. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll start I'll start digging down the research trail, but let's start Duke, North Carolina a little bit yeah. here because this is the first time you have Coach K against North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. It's kind of amazing that we went 42 years of Coach K and mm-hmm. we've never seen this happen, but we finally have it. Is it a little bit of revenge tour for, for Coach K and the, the Blue Devils to pay back? Uh, how do you see this? Well, I've heard, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the, uh, along the grapevine that there's some sort of conspiracy theory that might uh, be out there that is, is all designed to, sent coach k out on a high note and what better way do you need than, yeah yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> what better way for that to be so than for him to play north carolina in the final four beat them and then beat one of the other two and and it would then be fitting that everybody was saying man it's going to be a crazy we just don't know who's going to be in the final four but then you get four of the top programs in college basketball still there i it, it's playing out too well and uh-huh. uh um the, it's almost just, too much with the storylines yeah if, if you wrote this out into a fictional story uh movie companies would be uh would be just absolutely telling you to get out because uh but uh i have been playing around with uh, a a buddy of mine's and and me have been uh, playing around with what the title of the movie is going to be we came up with silent k i think is what it silent k okay maybe, and, and you know the the unspoken conspiracy of how duke won the national title in coach k's last season silent k Oh, I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like that. I can I can rock with that. You got yeah, me on board. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, good. You can be the narrator. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. No, I honestly, I I don't see I, North Carolina's playing really, really well. Yep. They're playing amazing. I mean, they have held. I I do believe it's a twenty point lead in every game that they've played so far in the tournament. I think that would be correct because uh, they defeated Marquette by 30 something. And that was when I, I, my eyebrows went up and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. That was in an eight, they, nine game. Yeah. Then they had Baylor down 25 before Baylor stormed back all <laughs> the way Excuse back, me. all I'm, the way back. I don't remember who they played after that. Uh, it's, I'm blanking on it. Um, I am too. Hang on. I'll find it. But then, then St. Peter's, I mean, shoot, St. Peter, the game against St. Peter's, there was, there was no hope for them. Like, it, 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 I think they said the first, excuse me, somebody said the, after, before the first, or at the first media timeout, uh, Cinderella, uh, it, the clock had struck midnight. <laughs> like, that, it was just apparent that it was. North Carolina was not going to let that come back. So, happen. North Carolina. North Carolina beat UCLA in the Sweet 16. Oh yeah, that's right, and they thumped them pretty hard yes. too. Yeah, it's just um, it, it's a they're playing so well, but it plays out. Yes, Duke's going to play tight. It's just a matter of how tight they're, how long they're going to remain tight, because they know they're in the Final Four. A and B, this very well could be Coach K's last game, and do they allow North Carolina to be that last game? Well, and that's the thing, too, is if we kind of tackle the psychological component of this for for Duke, 
I think it will be looser than what we saw in Coach K's final game at Cameron because the pressure mm -hmm. and, and we were talking with uh, Brendan Quinn from The Athletic a little bit about this. And he said, you know, you look up there at Cameron Indoor, if you're a 19 year old kid playing in Coach K's final home game and there's about a half million points of alums in the bleachers. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was and he goes the pressure that was on them. Well, and there's it, what 100 plus alums. That, that and that's that what game? he's saying, and and they're all the, the greats. Lord. Like yeah. you really have about 500,000 points in the yeah. bleachers at Cameron Indoor Amazing. Stadium for that game. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think maybe they've gotten a little bit used to the pressure of what's going on and and whatnot. Like I, I do think over the last two three weeks, they they came away from that, and it's a little bit different in front of playing in front of those guys versus just playing another game, even if it's on national TV and the final four and all those different things, mm -hmm. those are different like atmospheres to surround yourself with. Um, I, th I think Duke is I, at this point, I kind of think Duke's going to win it all. So I got Duke moving on here. Who do you got? I'll, I'll take Duke. Even, even though North Carolina is playing at that high level, yep. I don't think uh, Duke's better. Duke's a better team. I mean, yep. that's, uh, that's how the seeding usually works is if you're a higher seed, you've had a, a, a fully better season. Whereas if you're a lower seed, you've struggled at points and you just haven't had that overall season that the other team has. Um, after I just got con done complaining about Michigan um, being seated right or wrong. But uh, my point being on, on this is Duke's shown that they're a better team than North yep. Carolina all year, Yep. you know? So, uh, and they got size that can counter North Carolina size. That's North correct. Carolina's strength is Baycott, Manic, the bigs that they roll out there. And yeah, it, some that can and counter. you know what? Had Purdue beaten St. Peter's, that game's not a a, a double digit game, right? Against against Purdue. So I'm not saying North Carolina would have lost, but I I, I think it's a different, a much different game because Purdue's size. Agreed. But um, but even though. Even though North Carolina is playing at such a high level, I just don't see Duke losing uh, because I think that sentimentality of we'll be damned to let North Carolina do it to us again. Yeah, I, I, gonna, I that's going to be the edge, I think. I'm with you. And before we switch over to Kansas, Villanova, just to call back a little bit earlier in the show where we're talking yeah. about the three point line. So believe it or not, there's some nuance to this, too, Sam. Um, did they use it during the regular season, but not the tournament type thing or, well, or the big East, I think brought it in first or something. So the conference that used it. Yes. In 1979, some different conferences started to pick it up over those couple of years. And then 86, it was universally implemented okay. into the NCAA. So that's the difference. So the, the, it was in the game. Um, but it just depended what conference you were in. And well, so, if you think about it, and 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 that can screw with you too, because yeah, I no remember kidding. while I was growing up, the Big East implemented the six fouls. Really, so they I wasn't aware of that. They played a whole. See, they might have done it for multiple seasons, but there was at least one. How does that screw with you when you get to the tournament and all of a sudden you got one less foul to give? Wow! As a, as an individual. That's not even beneficial for you during. The, well, during they, the they said it prepares the 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 players that would be making it to the to the NBA. It it gets them. You'd also play the, eight more minutes. You'd switch the quarters mm -hmm. instead of halves. I mean, there are mm -hmm. differences in the game. There I'm, are much. Different. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot a longer three pointer at the time. Shoot. Once there was a three point line, high schoolers and college kids shot the same length three point shot. Yeah. 
Now it's different, but at the same time, you've got a further away for the three-point shot. But yeah, they played at least one, if not a couple of seasons with uh, six fouls in the Big East. That's wild. Um, okay, let's switch over real quick. I know we're running a little heavy here for the first half. Yeah. All right, what was the smirk for? Because we're always heavy. I'm always yeah. uh, kind of we, we play more over, along. We play more overtime in the first half than we do the second. <laughs> it's so true. I'm not complaining, but. <laughs> right. Uh, but Kansas-Villanova. Now, this is an interesting matchup because uh, Kansas, you, you have a lot of athletes. You have Remy Martin, the transfer from Arizona State, who was named the most outstanding player uh, for the region. You have Ochai Abaji, who's going to be an NBA probably lottery pick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for Villanova, uh, you bring that culture we were talking about with Jay Wright already. Uh, you bring in Colin Gillespie, who's one of the best players in college basketball. But the Wildcats lose Justin Moore. And I'm not Huge. going to lie to you. It, it, and it is because I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched a ton of Villanova basketball over the year. I've seen two, three games. Mm-hmm. Same. But I caught up with uh, Brennan Quinn from The Athletic. I was talking with him a little bit, and he's somebody who's from West Philadelphia, born and raised. Uh, Probably not the best time to drop a Will Smith reference. but We'll get to that later. (laughs) Okay. Shadowing right there. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe fourth quarter. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um But nonetheless, we were talking a little bit because he's he's got Philly roots and and kind of has followed Villanova basketball. Well, he follows everybody, but – my my point being, he understands. Villanova well, you follow basketball. everybody, but you have more roots in East Lansing than anywhere else, so that's and, allowed. I mean, and I'm Big Ten pretty centric. I, right, I don't right. You I poke have, my head out of the hole a little bit and see what's going on somewhere you're like else. Like Tony Phil, kinda. Yeah, that's that's how I <laughs> you look am. around and you see other teams and go, oh, there's still six weeks left. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I love that analogy, actually. Um, but regardless, I was talking with him a little bit about Villanova and this year's team, and he he explained that Justin Moore is such a an essential and vital piece to what the Wildcats do because he does it all. He does everything for this team. And he goes, at this point, if you're Villanova, you just have to hope to try and, and bridge the gap, was the word he used, and, and kind of piecemeal it back together to keep this thing afloat. Um, with the understanding of how significant that loss is of Justin Moore for Villanova, I'm, I'm going Kansas. Here's the thing from what I understand. And again, I haven't watched much, uh, Kansas either. Kansas kind of overachieved, even though they're one seed, they've kind of overachieved with what they've done this year. Being a one seed is kind of that overachievement even. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like Jay, Jay, right. You know, you, we just talked about that. If you were to make a, uh, I mean, let, let's put this into context. Hardly anybody would say that John Calipari is not a, a, a great coach. One of the best in the country. He it, it's been what? 12 years since Kentucky, at least 10 years since Kentucky 2012 title. Jay Wright's won almost, if he wins this year, will be three in half that many years, basically. So if you were to make a Mount Rushmore of coaches, current coaches, Jay Wright's one of them. Uh, I put a lot of stock in coaches who have, you know, done great things. Coach Izzo, uh, you know, Coach K, 
uh, Jay Wright's one of those coaches that you, you don't count them out necessarily uh, because they know how to bridge the gap. If once Coach K before. retires, Jay Wright might just be the best coach in college basketball. I wouldn't argue that in the least. Like, in the least. Like, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, I, I still think Kansas. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Uh because I think that injury is huge. And yeah. and and I and I I having looked into it, kind of the people that are gonna step up and be take his place, they've been injured. Yep. So like they're 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 a walking mash unit right now. That's true. Where I just don't know that they've got enough to beat Kansas. And nope. that will make my six-year-old very happy because he picked Kansas at the beginning of the tournament. <laughs> so you got Duke, Kansas. I got Duke, Kansas. Who do you got winning it? Duke. <laughs> Duke. I do. Yeah, I I, I don't the see Kool-Aid. it. I, I, the Kool-Aid. I just don't see it. I didn't have the – I had uh, – I think I had Duke lo- – uh, well, I did. I had them losing to Texas Tech. I didn't okay. take into consideration – that this had been kind of stewing like like i don't know that maybe they'd go on this run and kind of have this 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 momentum if they beat north carolina in that last game it's true it's very true because i think that lit a fire under them that you were not going to do this to him again now look who they're playing in the final four well hey since we won the final four game we might as well win a national title while we're at it and you paired Duke and Kansas together. I don't think that's a that's a fair fight. I think Duke wins. I mean, I, the, I just think they've got better horses. And your point this this group had not been playing this well all mm-hmm. year, or else right. they easily would have been a one seed. I mean, they they are clicking at the right moment. I like Duke too. Uh, for our listeners out there, you can let us know who you like, and we'll let you know how big the percentage of the audience is correct uh, at Big Ten Plus Four. Go vote on Twitter. We've listed all four teams for the final four. And you let us know who ends up winning this thing. Yeah. You've got Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. Uh, if your choice isn't there, uh, put it in the comments, but you're going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and once you've if you once you've chosen one of those four, put in the comments why you chose Duke. <laughs> <laughs> the Kool-Aid. It's getting around to everybody. I'm going around. I'm driving a, a truck. I'm dropping off just glasses. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and and you know what, with the way this tournament's gone, if they're it very well, since we said Duke, Duke, Kansas, it's going to be UNC Villanova. We know it's going to be, and you know whatever <laughs> that that whatever it is, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, boy, um, Hubert Davis will be the new king. If, oh, if he now spoils Coach K's final home game, but spoils the Final Four season that he, he's going out on. Hubert Davis can will be. Bo- can you imagine how hated he would be at, at Duke? In Durham. Durham would hate him. <laughs> Absolutely. He would have to have a security detail with him next year <laughs> when they go to Durham. It's so true. Uh, <laughs> with that, we're going to hit the halftime break. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. I'm Lauren and I'm John and we host the Beard Out podcast the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world beer and weird Al and a bunch of other stuff that's right do you like nostalgia do you like sibling banter do you like beer do you like weird Al are you human 
If you answered yes to any of those questions, give us a listen. Become one of our loyal commenters. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Did you catch the uh, production error I made there? No, I did not. What was it? Oh, I left the Twitter poll up and just just go through the whole thing. Oh, go well. vote on if their Twitter watching, too. You, you, if you're not watching, you have no idea what in the world I'm talking to. But if you're <laughs> about, but if you're watching, you know you're like, man, Sam, come on, it's early, okay, get off my back. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam's having inner monologues with himself. I'm still and... struggling with our with my loss. I said I didn't have any pressure, which is correct. I didn't have any pressure because, for one thing, I wasn't playing against St. Peter's, yep. but I didn't say that I wouldn't be upset about it. <laughs> Stage three, still bargaining, guys. He's That's still right. bargaining. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, as we move to the third quarter, uh, something else we wanted to talk about here in this show is uh, transfer portals. And it is really ramping up. I believe there's nearly a thousand now players in the transfer portal Insane. already. I, I know it's north of 920. Um, by the way, if you're kind of confused, like where do I kind of keep up to date with what's going on verbalcommits.com does a nice job of updating and reporting people going into the transfer portal um and in a site that i use to kind of grade out some of these transfers evan miyakawa does a nice job he's a, a metric based uh, young person who's really kind of starting to make his name in the game um but he's got the a rating system that's not subjective for all the different transfers in the transfer portal but rather it's based on simply efficiency metrics that they use throughout the year. So it can kind of grade out the transfers and kind of keeps you up to date with where they end up. Uh, but yeah. to bring this, uh, bring this conversation home at the big 10, one of the stars of the big 10 is in the portal. It's down below as Sam has on your screen, Illinois Andre Curbelo is in the transfer portal. I, I saw this news and I won't lie to you, Sam, didn't have much of a reaction besides, ah, oh, that's about right. And that's not well, if you out think of about it. Kofi did it last year. Yeah, true. And and the reaction Which is what got him suspended later because he came back and after he sold some stuff that he had. It's true. And uh, but my reaction wasn't condescending in any way. It wasn't like, oh, this day and age. It wasn't anything besides this is a young man who struggled with. Uh, uh, health issues throughout the season last year and the team had kind of formed in a sense without him not in terms yeah. of 
team camaraderie, but on the court. I mean, Illinois was a different team with Curbelo versus without Curbelo. And I thought that was going to be challenging for Underwood to, to try and massage and, and figure out how the pieces work together. And it never came together, partially because Curbelo only practiced like 15 times for Illinois throughout the entire season. So I That's was not surprised by this. Right there. Yeah. That's where you find your gel. I mean, uh, having been a coach for long enough, I, I preach to the to the kids, look, your practice is where you fine-tune. You don't mm-hmm. fine-tune during a game. You're showing off what you've fine-tuned in practice during the games. So you need to take the practice time seriously. You need to make what you know the best of the practice time you have. Excuse me. And him only practicing that much, it just didn't allow it. Yep. And, and I mean, so the, the, the young man was benched for the second half against Houston. Yep. And, th- and, and, and you know what? He could have been an all big 10 player. That's how good this, this kid is. And whoever, wherever he lands, you're going to watch him and he's going to make plays where your jaw drops and you go, I, I, I think that just redefined physics, the, the pass he made, the vision he has, it's simply phenomenal. And then he's going to make another play. And it's it's going to be a really bad error. I mean, this is somebody who is extremely creative. He, he's a painter with the basketball. And you have to give him a long leash and give him the freedom to maximize his, his capacity and, and make some of those jaw-dropping plays. And you have to live with some of the bad mistakes he's going to make because you're going to get both with Andre Curbelo. It's interesting you said painter on the court because I have the list, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, of schools that he would fit in with okay and there are there are two big 10 teams uh listed on this there i mean alabama is on there kentucky's on there uh gonzaga is on there there's a lot of lists or uh schools that he would fit in well with because Mm -hmm. they've got you know positions available because of players leaving but the two schools from the big 10 that are listed are ohio state um zed key he played with a uh, high school ball with zed key that makes a lot of sense to me and then also purdue because that one doesn't uh, make as much sense but explain. isaiah thompson's tran are going into the transfer portal as well correct and um shoot um the the point guard that that was just there um God, Purdue's point guard. Who was it? <laughs> I, I, the, well, uh, the throughout the year was Purdue. Ivy is the problem. <laughs> right, right, right. But who is supposedly uh, Johnson, uh, not Johnson. Hunter? Um, Eric Hunter. Hunter? Thank you. Eric Hunter Jr. He's not going to be there. Well, yep. let's say it this way. He, I think he, he's decided he's not coming back because I think he has one more year or maybe that's Sasha that's got one more year that he decided he's not coming back or something. But they said it even says that Matt Painter does not visit the portal very often but this could be one that would interest him enough to at least attempt and make some contact to see about whether or not curbello would want to come to purdue so those two schools are from the big 10 well the reason why it doesn't make sense to me is because curbello is really good in pick and rolls and i don't picture zach Eady as somebody you want out setting ball screens i picture him as somebody you just say here's the rim Stay within a five foot radius here, like camp here. Mm-hmm. We'll feed you down here. Like, so I wouldn't want him moving up and down there in the uh, on from the block. I'd want him to stay there, is my point. Well, it, it, and, and I know Roosevelt Colvin's son is going to be at Purdue next year. Was it Miles Colvin? Is it next Might year? Be. Maybe? 
is it next year or the year after he's going to be there um he's kind of a sizable kid but i think he's kind of a guard like curbello so maybe it's not something that that painter would even see as something is as possible but uh it's very interesting i'm interested to see where curbello ends up yeah i'm interested to see that too and uh so Curbelo uh, is a big one. And then, of course, you have Joe Toussaint enters the portal. And you got a couple yeah. other guys, too, that that really uh, are some big names from the Big Ten. So when, we'll when see. When did this portal become a thing, honestly? I, I, I want to say about two or three years ago. I was going to say it has it because before it used to be a pain in the butt for a kid to transfer. And if they did, they had to sit out a year. Now it's, it's immediate. Now it's immediate. Oh, uh, Everything with uh college sports right now it's just now. the wild wild yeah. west i mean it is a different day and age well um, and and if if they transfer like like i mentioned in the past luke Recker transferred from iu to iowa and he couldn't even get a scholarship the big 10 could a big 10 school could not offer a kid wanting to transfer from a big 10 school to another a scholarship he had to go on as a walk-on well that's one of the big complaints you have from coaches right now is that there's so little structure when it yeah. comes to these rules, it used to be a thing that you're right. You had to sit out a year. There was certain guidelines. Now it's just wild, wild west. Hey, pick your team. I mean, Jalen Coleman lands is playing in the final four, and this is his fifth basketball team, I think, in college basketball. I, <laughs> he started at Talk Illinois. about free agency. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely wild. Um, but so we're going to keep updated with the transfer portal as we go along in the coming weeks because that's really going to help us shape what's going on uh, with the, the upcoming basketball season for the big 10 it's hard to evaluate even project at this point what the hierarchy will be for big 10 basketball but we'll have a better picture here well, shortly and here's a question and, and I, I i watched something about andy katz and dave revson had a, had a thing that they were talking about he te uh, katz teared out the teams for next year and mm -hmm. he said now obviously transfer portal and stuff like that and and this was before Curbelo had announced that he was going into the portal. And he had, you know, it tiered out five teams on the top, then I think seven team or six teams on the second, and then three at the bottom. And what player was vital in them coming back would make them that tier or whatever. And Curbelo was the one from Illinois. You know, they said, you know, he may enter, he may go to the NBA. Well, they didn't, and he, you know, I guess he still could, but why would you announce you're going to the portal if you're going to go to the NBA? Why not just save it and say, we're, I'm going to the NBA? So I don't think he's going to the NBA. Now, it's very, very possible because Kofi did it last year. He went into the transfer portal. Yep. And then he came back to Illinois. So Corbello could end up in Illinois still. Yep. But the point being is, is now all of a sudden he's a free agent that's essentially what the portal makes Kofi could still come back. And does that decide, and, and I'm not saying he will, but could he come back and, and sway Curbelo to come back because, you know, Kofi could make some cash on and on name image and likeness. So it may be one of those that, okay, I'll come back for one more year, fine tune it even more. God help the big 10. If Kofi comes back, um, you know, it, it could be a big thing. Well, I don't know how much the NBA likes him as the the other thing, and right. and it just in terms of because of his immobility, because he's mm -hmm. a mountain of a man, <laughs> and, and it right. carries so much mass. Like I'm not sure how high the prospects are. I don't see him in many mock drafts. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that scouts see him as a, a highly touted prospect. Well, um, I, so, I think that helps Purdue in the aspect of Zach Eady coming back because he's slower than Kofi. It's true. You know, he's, he's now Eady does have more, another four inches. <laughs> correct, correct. But at the same time, you know just as much as I. Kevin Durant's seven foot. Correct. So he could compete height wise at least and block some shots. You know that was the big thing with. You, you you made the mention of of Purdue playing Yale. It looked like ants around the tree, and yeah. I kept telling the boys or my boys, if he holds the ball up, he keeps it away from most people that are guarding him. That makes him effective. You go to the NBA, you've got guys that are seven foot. They're going to take that ball away from you. It's true because Zach Eady is not the strongest person in the world. I I I got worried every time. He brought it down below his shoulders and then decided he was going to dribble because that was a liability every time. Yep. And oh, so I, I, I could see I could see Kofi coming back. I I almost expect it at this point. Not just see it. I expect it. Um. So, so to your point, it's going to be God another headache for God everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh. now I will say that at least Purdue's got somebody that can compete with him high wise. It's true. <laughs> So you're a, you got an advantage. As, yeah, as well, it helps anyways. Let's say it that way. But I, I honestly, I guess if Edie were to think, oh, I could get some money in overseas, you know, I'm going over that way. He could leave. I just mm-hmm. don't see it happening. Nope it's it's a fair point. I and I think that's I think we're going to see two mountains back in the Big Ten again next year. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move now to the fourth quarter. All right, this is the part of the show where we get to our headlines. And as Sam zooms himself in there on the screen, we start with the Sam Sentinel. Oh, goodness, Dalton. I told you that it was going to be an op-ed. Opinion pieces are, uh, I've got plenty of them, so I'm very (laughs) willing to give them. Um, We're going to talk about the slap herd around the world. Yes, it's it's kind of... uh, you know, the we're thing revis- to talk about. We're revisiting Madison, Wisconsin, huh? Michigan well, there. It, it, I'm going to pull into that. Oh, okay. Pull I just was looking it. for the cheap joke, but go on. We're going to pull that into it because, uh, you know, back in the day when, when Charles Barkley uh, threw the guy through the bar window, I don't know if you're even familiar with that incident. He was at a bar one time and, and a guy got in his face and he got in a fight and threw him through a plate glass window at a bar. And in the, the, the outcome, the blowback from that was you're, you're a role model to young men and athletes and, and things like that. And he said, I am not a role model. That's the parent's job. And he's not wrong in the aspect of it is the parent's job to mm-hmm. set things, you know, morals, you know, ideals and ways to, tr- to act and things like that to their children. That, that is absolutely, he is not incorrect on that. Where he falls short is when you make millions of dollars and you play a game to where you are dominant, you become a role model, whether you like it or not. Period. End yep. of statement. So, Madison, Wisconsin. Juwan Howard decides he's going to set forth the example to his team and then anybody that admires him at a a young person that admires him for what he did in his career and is doing as a coach sees that and it sets 
or it plants the seed here. Now, parents should talk to them, which I talked to my boys because they saw it and we're talking about it. And I said, let's talk about it. So we talked about it. But at the same time, I'm dad. Hmm. I coach my son right now. And I could tell him one thing and another coach could tell him the exact same thing. And he'll do it when the other coach says it and not when I do because I'm dad. So while we can plant the seeds, I've also gotten texts from, from parents that of friends that the, you know, my boys have gone to spend the night and they say, you've got some really great boys. I'm, I'm happy because that means I'm planting the seeds for when they go out in the game, Dalton, mm -hmm. you know, at home life is practice. They fine tune it. And then when they go out into the game, they show what they fine tuned. Now the slap heard around the world set back a bunch because Will Smith is an icon. Everybody, most people know who Will Smith is. They admire him for the hard work that he puts in in his, in his roles. And he canceled out 30 years of hard work with one slap to Chris Rock. Whether you agree with the joke that Chris Rock said, whether you agree with will smith being upset i don't care about that what i'm talking about is they were words that were said and will smith walked 30 feet and assaulted a man on national television that is incorrect that is not the way that you teach young men to treat another person over words dalton mm -hmm. they were words be upset I don't care if you yell something at him during that time. Words to words is okay. Now, would it have been like, man, you could have waited until afterwards and said, hey, dude, don't ever do that again. But it's never okay to openly assault somebody because you're, you're defending your wife or whatever, you know, the Will Smith's a role model. He set forward this whole thing. The rest of his career, it doesn't matter what he does. He will always be remembered for the slap yep. to Chris Rock. Now, if you looked at if you watched the video, Chris Rock, I don't agree maybe with everything that he's ever said. That's not the point. In the moment, he could have went further with it. And you could see him getting ready to say something that could have made things worse. And then he went, nope, not going to do it. He handled it better. Because mm -hmm. a man comes up to me and slaps me over words, I don't know that I'm going to be able to hold it back. Because that's physical altercation. Mm -hmm. um, but the point being on this is, and I know I've rambled a lot, but the point on this is, Yes, I'm, I'm, I've talked to my kids about this and, and where it goes or what, what should have probably happened. But you know what? 35 feet and you couldn't convince yourself not to touch a man over something that he said? That, uh, you've got you've to do better, Will Smith. And, and you know what? You may end up losing your Oscar. You may end up not being able to be nominated again, depending on how the Academy comes up with punishment, because he did violate the morals clause of being part of the Academy. Whatever the thing is, you will always be remembered for that slap. And you know what? You earned it. 
you wear it. That's it. And, from the same symbol. <laughs> well, and I love, I do love the piece, and I love the point you're making. Uh, the only, it's not even a counter. The only like side product I would throw in there too, where you talk about uh, because Will Smith uh, interrupted or uh, brought down the the moralities or, or interfered with it. Uh, who are the Oscars to place fourth morality? This is a separate conversation. No, no, you're absolutely right. You have a lot of folks in Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of folks in Hollywood that have won Oscars and they've been okay in the views of morality with the Oscars, but this well, one's you, not, and I'm not defending it. It's no, no, a completely no. I, separate I conversation, but yeah. Okay. I, I, sure. saw, I saw that. I saw that Jim Carrey even said he was more disappointed, not in the fact that Will Smith went up and slapped him. He said that was abhorrent. It shouldn't have happened. But what was more abhorrent was everybody in the crowd acting like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. It's Hollywood. I, I, just... My, I had somebody text me going, where was security? Because like, he went and and physically assaulted somebody. Why didn't security escort him out? I I I picture this that a lot of the folks that were there experienced it kind of like we did, where the first couple of times you watched it on your video, you said, "Oh, that was a bit, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't for real, right? Like I think everybody yeah. was trying to process that that was actually serious for a while. I think that took a while to soak in for everybody, security included, at the event. Um, but but if it was a bit, don't you think security would have known about it? Well, but what if what if it was just impromptu and and Will Smith just yeah. like decided to kind of lean into the bit, like the joke, like oh here I'm gonna mess with you, and like then it just became this thing. Like it well, felt think, like something I think, that I think the two comments he made after the fact, <laughs> I don't. Then yes, agree. That would have Agreed. been like okay, sir, you need to come with us, and yes, you are coming with us. <laughs> you know, but because but he had to stay because he was winning best actor. So that's, that's... but but here's the here's the. <laughs> I, I agree, but but still, he shouldn't have been there. No, and and that's what I mean. It was that was a sarcastic joke from. No, me. no, I like get it. I get it. Yeah, you um, know what would have been more embarrassing? You know what was more embarrassing? Him accepting that after that happened, or him not being there to accept it? Or how about him not apologizing to Chris Rock in his five minute long acceptance speech? The only apologized to the Academy. I was mm-hmm. like, oof, mm-hmm. boy, that's that's tough. Anywho, mm-hmm. yep. Um. Yep. Anyways, yeah let's move along off of that one jeez i'm such a downer <laughs> so we'll move Raise to the dalton, dalton daily where you know everything is all sunshine and rainbows and Ooh, it's april that's right it's april so that means not only do you have the final four in new orleans you have spring football in the big 10 that's what everybody was looking forward to as we turned the month into april so i was, I was thinking masters opening day with major <laughs> league baseball yeah. You got spring football. Let's do it. Spring Big Ten football. So we're, really what I wanted to do is just kind of give a PSA for when some of the different schools are going to be having their spring games. So you can follow along. Because if you're just as Big Ten-centric and maybe as sick as us and you have to pay attention <laughs> to all this stuff, um, <laughs> want to make sure you have the blueprint to do so well. So uh, you start off this weekend. Michigan has the first Big Ten spring game. They're playing April 2nd. April 9th, they'll be Purdue and Nebraska. April 16th, they'll be Ohio State and Michigan State. April 21st, Rutgers in Illinois, April 23rd, Penn State, and April 30th will be Maryland and Minnesota. So all month long, you have spring football here in the Midwest. All the way through the month of April. I like it. And stayed in the month of April. I found that kind of astounding. I mean, April 2nd to April 30th. Boom. 
there's well, there's all the games and a lot of times these are games that you know you, tickets are hard to get for a bunch of these these schools or they're very expensive comparatively spring games are either a free or they have a price that comes with them but it go gets donated somewhere so it's more yep. of a donation uh to to somewhere so you can catch some some football and and they play serious i mean they're not they're not playing the the as hard hitting as as the real games but they're playing football they still want to win so it's a, it's a competitive game and uh, yep. it, it, it's still it's it's if you live near one of those campuses you might be able to go check out and uh you know be an expert at least and, for a couple of days and much like we were talking about earlier with like Big Ten basketball, we can't even begin to project what next season looks like because of the transfer portal and all the new faces. It's your first look at the new faces. It's your first look at the yeah. team. So we'll start yeah. to actually kind of see how things kind of look. I mean, it's a minuscule look. You have a small window to look through, but right. you, you can look right through the the little keyhole in, in the door and uh, <laughs> and kind of get a glimpse of what maybe next year's team will look like. So that's a schedule for spring games in the Big Ten. Well, it's getting close to where, you know, we're going to have a different background because it's going to be football season. And that's uh, true. And, uh, you know, it's one of those that uh, football runs the runs the college world. We know that. It, I mean, much like the NFL runs the pro sports world. Uh, but it's something that, uh, you know, it's it's always an exciting year kicking off. And then because everybody starts zero and zero. It's true. Now. It does get worse very quickly for some teams comparatively. A lot, but at least. But it, but you never know. Though you're always going to have a couple of teams that outperform what they're projected to do. Yep. And uh, it's exciting. I did. I, I did want to bring up since you brought up spring uh, practice. Colin Cowherd put, tweeted something out last week, and it was it was letting everybody know that reports out of Southern Cal by some people that watched the the first spring practice was that was the best practice the most perfect practice ever done on a campus a college campus and i'm asking what because for one thing it's the first practice so it, it, you can't convince me that it was perfect but who cares yes and how do you speak for 130 D1 colleges and yeah. for all the other levels? Yeah, that's that's well, and 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 even if you know team 130 has a perfect practice, you're not going to say, "Oh, watch out for these guys." That was the most perfect practice. Who cares? It's no, a very mainstream sports hard. thing. Yeah, I guess reporting on how perfect practice was, and it was from his sources. I'm like, Colin, why are you wasting your time on sources about practice? We're talking about practice because there's practice. nothing else for a lot of them to talk about right now. We're all this is why, again, if you're a sicko like us, where you're ready for the month of April to watch a bunch of spring football because we just <laughs> were so into football. Uh, yeah, yeah, you kind of fit in this this vehicle. So <laughs> we got well, room it, for everybody. It, it's just amazing to me that that like, you know, this was last week. So like the final four wasn't even set. I think it was even before the sweet 16. So like there is a bunch of college sport going Go on. on currently. And you're going to talk about practice. That's about right. It's about right. I guess we, we even during the tournament football drives the bus, you know, and, and it brings puts butts in seats and it, 
puts ears into the into radio shows. So I guess uh well, I'm still sticking with what we're doing and we'll 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 do football, but <laughs> we're gonna ride that we're gonna ride this until basketball is done, then we'll jump over to football, you know? Give that's the season exactly right. And and so Sam, let everybody know where they can find us for all their basketball and football coverage yes, at Big Ten Plus Four. Sir. Yes, sir. So you can uh, you've got the three ways up at the top of the screen uh Twitter. It's big ten then spell out the word plus don't put the plus sign in there no plus sign take it out <laughs> spell it out four so big 10 plus four spell out plus uh big 10 plus four on facebook go to oddpodsmedia.com we are on asap network uh with our with our stream uh we are also on uh spotify with our video podcast but anywhere else you listen you can also listen to the audio version on spotify as well um, but if you have to see our faces, I understand you can do that on Spotify. If you're not going to, if you're not going to wait for the, for the, the live stream or the restream, uh, but we're anywhere, anywhere you can, uh, you find podcasts. That's where you go. All right. Well, certainly glad to have everybody with us here for this week's edition, getting ready for the final four. We'll, we'll be back next week to recap what happens in the final four in new and Orleans. Maybe we'll talk some spring football. Well, got to talk some spring football so we'll <laughs> definitely fit that in but anyways yes. that'll wrap it up for us here at big 10 plus four i'm dalton shetler that's sam sprunger so long we'll talk to you next week see ya